Welcome to the Middletown Podcast. My name is Fiona McCaffrey and today I'll be speaking to Dr Brenda Smith-Miles on the subject of well-being and being well. Brenda is former professor in the Department of Special Education at the University of Kansas. She is a recipient of the Autism Society of America's Outstanding Professional Award, Princeton Fellowship Award, and is a two-time recipient of the Council for Exceptional Children. Brenda served as the editor of Intervention in School and Clinic, the third largest journal in special education, and has been a member of the editorial board of several journals, including Focus on Autism and Other Developmental Disabilities, Remedial and Special Education, and Autism, the International Journal. Journal of Research. Brenda has made over 1,000 presentations all over the world and written more than 250 articles and books on autism. And I'm pleased to say that Brenda is a good friend to Middletown Centre, having been over with Middletown twice before, most recently as a keynote speaker at our international conference in 2017. Brenda has presented a webinar for us on well-being and being well, and it is this that I would like to discuss today. So Brenda, you're very welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much, Fiona. Brenda, the first question I'd like to put to you is on the subject of structured flexibility. These two concepts could be seen to be slightly different. So what is structured flexibility and how can a parent apply structured flexibility in a home environment? It is so true that structured flexibility seem like two words that don't go together. But as you know, the autistic neurology likes and needs predictability and structure. Autistic people do best when they know what is on their agenda, what they are expected to do. So that is the structured part. But within that, we have to recognize the needs and supports that are required by the autistic neurology. So whenever we have a structure in place, such as a schedule, we may look at that child and realize, oh my gosh, he's in a state of anxiety. I have to modify this activity right now to help him calm down so that he can get back on track and into the learning mode. So we're consistent as we can be, letting the individual know what they're supposed to do. But because we know the autistic neurology in that person, we alter the task as needed to help that learner. Within a home environment, parents may have a schedule in place that says, first of all, you get up, we have breakfast, and then we do morning PE on using gonoodle.com, and then we're going to do some schoolwork. You're on gonoodle.com, and you notice that there's something going on with the child, and you've planned Go Noodle for 20 minutes, but your child is starting to get anxious, maybe isn't attending, and you realize, oh my gosh, I need the flexibility. And so what you may do is pause, go noodle and say, let's try something else. What if we do Star Wars exercises? Because the child loves Star Wars. So what you've done is you've introduced flexibility, knowing that incorporating a special interest will help the child calm and be able to engage in the activity. Is is that an adequate explanation? Yeah, so it's providing an overall structure, then being responsive to need within the structure is what you're saying. You mentioned gonoodle.com, Brenda. Are there other resources that might be able to support engagement in the home environment? Activities such as having scavenger hunts with kids are a fabulous thing to do. 
cooking with kids, there is a lovely, lovely website that is from NCSE, which is Nancy Carol. Sam, Ellen, that has a booklet of activities that allow kids to get up and get moving. There is a fabulous yoga website called Cosmic Yoga for Kids that allows them to engage. Other activities include using a stopwatch. And this may sound like a really easy activity, but if you can think back to when you were a child, the novelty of timing yourself, how fast you can run, or how quickly you can pick up your bedroom, or even at school, like how many math problems you could do in a minute, how high you can jump. Those sort of things introduce a stopwatch into those activities and you automatically have a lot of fun, a little competition, and a little math. You can almost make a little project around that, around how are you doing with this and and the changes from day to day. One of the things that parents are saying to us quite a lot at this moment during COVID, and I'm speaking to you at the height of the COVID crisis here worldwide, is that parents are being expected to pick up education and to deliver homeschooling. Can you give any advice? What do you do when you get it wrong? And how can you work to get it right? And how can you provide the context for yourself to redo something or to restart something. That is something that we all face all of the time. It is a bit, such a big responsibility to have parents homeschool their kids in addition to having all their other responsibilities. We are all going to get it wrong. Um, and I think, you know what, when we get it wrong, it's okay to acknowledge I really thought this was a good plan. I thought that this would work out, but it's not working out. Let's try something else. And even to enlist the child to say, how can we do this better? During this time, we are all basically struggling and kind of in a positive way to figure out how to make things work. One of the great things that the family unit is family pulling together and making schooling more or less of a joint activity between the parent and the child. And just to say, we're going to try this together and let's keep a list of what works and let's keep a list of what doesn't work so that we can move along positively. And the special interests could be incorporated in that as well, Brenda, do you think? I, you know, I think that one of the things that we have not done well enough in life is incorporating special interests. And I think that if our child has a special interest that at this point in time, let's capitalize on that. And let's have our child watch videos about the special interest. Let's have him read about the special interest. Let's let him do a podcast on his special interest. Write a play. Let him design stickers related to his special interest. Let him do math according to the special interest. I think that this is a time to take those special interests and really allow them to grow. Really nice ideas. They're very practical ideas, Brenda. Well, and even to use Zoom, all the kids in the class are doing their, doing something that on something that is their special interest, whether or not they have autism. And if they can Zoom with each other and share three sentences or a picture or a drawing or 
just think how wonderful that would be. And it's trying to get that sense of community whenever everyone is working in isolation so that the kids can see themselves that they're not the only one that's going through this, that, that everyone is doing is in this situation together at the moment worldwide. In your webinar, you talk about breaking the cycle of negativity and how we can almost ratio praise to consequences for behaviours. Could you expand a little bit on this if we're thinking about trying to promote positive engagement and positive activities? I think that, and I am guilty of this, that when things are going well, kind of just like have a sigh of relief and we don't openly acknowledge it verbally quite often. So I think that we just kind of have to change our attitude that every time something is going well, that instead of just like having that smile and that sigh of things are wonderful, that we more or less program ourselves to say what is going well, just to say you have been sitting there working on your assignment that is wonderful. You are paying attention. I am really proud of you. And then to say, tell me how you're feeling right now so that they can praise themselves. But it's really just taking those brief moments uh, that where things are going well and saying, I want to tell you that I appreciate everything that you are doing and I recognize what you're doing. I have found that doing this affects my mental health. And so when I am recognizing what someone else is doing positively, it helps me. It's a really good point, actually, to focus in on the positivity. And for those children who are very visual, Brenda, can you incorporate some sort of visual positive feedback into that strategy that you're talking about? I know a mom that makes up little post-its that she'll like little flourishes and she'll say, well done. And she writes down, thank you for listening to me. You are so funny. You are so great. And she'll take these post-its and she will walk up to her kids and if they're sitting down, she'll put the post-it in front of them or she might even put the post-it on their shirt. So she is continually non-verbally telling them that they are wonderful. I know some families' secret signal of praise and reinforcement, kind of like the high five. I know, for example, a son and father who they do like two jumps when, when they notice each other being really cool. I know a family that they like the old movie, and I forget what it was, with Robert Redford, where they, they were they rubbed their nose to indicate, you know, like our deal is getting ready to happen. And I know one family that when they're out public, that is their signal of, aren't you being great? I'm wondering, is it The Sting? Is it a film you're talking it about? Is, the, is it The Sting? It is, Fiona. Thank <laughs> you for saying that. It's a great film, great soundtrack, actually, the, the Scott Joplin theme. Can you give some examples then of projects that children might enjoy? And, you spoke about this quite extensively during your webinar. Can you give some examples of projects that children can work on that might involve their special interests? You talked about a time capsule and project books. Could you, could you give some concrete examples of those sorts of things? Of course. You mentioned the time capsule, and I think the time capsule is a lovely, lovely activity. And Facebook has done a lovely job of laying out how to do a time capsule. But this allows the child to understand how he is 
is feeling, how his parents are feeling, what is going well, what they've had to change, and how their community is being impacted. And so it is just a lovely, you're creating a diary of what is happening during this time. There are so many great things out there on the internet that I enjoy, such as here in Kansas City, they let the penguins from the zoo come to our art museum and wander around. The Panda Cam at the Atlanta Zoo for children who have special interests in animals. Can you imagine starting with a panda cam, writing a story about a panda or videotaping an interview, reading a book, going to a website, sharing with your grandmother four great facts about pandas. The Roald Dahl Museum is a favorite. If our kids can get on and read Roald Dahl stories and look at exhibits, then they can actually read the books and do drawings. The Museum of Natural History, for our kids who like history, offer everything from seeing how your heart beats to dinosaur bones. So we can start with museums and let our kids begin there. And then what they do is they expand it to all areas, math, reading. Winter Masseurs has talked about how special interests help kids. And what we know is if you will allow our kids to use those special interests, to go to the Louvre, and if they like a painting virtually, to investigate the history, that what's going to happen is they're going to be more motivated, they're going to be more engaged, they're going to be less anxious. Sensory is not going to bother them as much because you know how if we are doing something we really love, we can power through it. I really think that this is the time to look at the children's special interest and just build our curriculum around it. Yeah. And as you said, there's lots of resources, particularly online, that can support that delivery. Brenda, thank you very much. That's That's been very interesting. I've got one final question for you, which is on the subject of kindness. And I saw you present on this some years ago, the importance of kindness in everything that we do. Could you tell us a little bit more about how important kindness is in all of this? Well, we all know the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, which is a lovely thing because at the heart of humanity, I really believe is kindness. But I think that we need to look at the golden rule a little differently. And I would like to use what is what I call the golden rule plus. That is do unto others as they need. It is a great kindness to realize that under almost all circumstances, the individual who is autistic is doing the best they can, that their behavior makes sense to them, even if we don't understand it. And if someone refuses to do something, it is refusal in the moment, not permanent refusal. We don't have to understand autism to be kind. If a person with autism is confused, we just have to ask, what would be the kind thing to do? Well, maybe the kind thing to do was, is to show them what to do. If an individual is upset, the kind thing to do is to comfort them. So I think that if we would just change our approach to life in general, and just whenever we see any individual that is doing well, we acknowledge it. But if we see any individual who's having difficulty, if we would just stop and ask, how can I be kind to this individual? And as I said, even if we don't understand autism, if we follow our heart, chances are we're going 
going to do the right thing. Thank you, Brenda. Do unto others as they need. I think that's a very strong statement for us to finish our session on. Brenda, thank you very much for working along with me to record our first podcast. And we look forward at some stage to welcoming you back to Ireland. And I hope that you stay safe and well in the meantime. Thank you. Thank you very much. I would be honoured. The Middletown podcast is released every Friday and is available from Spotify and from the centre's website. And the next podcast, I'll be speaking with Dr Peter Vermillion on the subject of promoting leisure, fun and happiness. Mm-hmm.